This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over 15 years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com auctions and check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 193 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. All right, I'm going to make this intro short and sweet today. Uh, it looks like there's another hurricane coming this week, so I'm going to do some prep for that here shortly. But I've been working hard on this episode and wanted to make sure it was ready for you nonetheless. And yes, I do enjoy the process. But uh, I'm going to talk about a couple packages real quick. And then I've got a conversation with a Clyde Drexler collector lined up for the main segment. So you'll want to make sure to stay tuned for that. Okay, I have to say the mail was very good to me this last week or two. There were a few items I won that seemed super cheap to me. And that's probably a good indicator of where the market's at right now. Now, I know a lot of people seem bummed out about it, but as collectors, that might be a good sign that it's buying season, at least for some things. I know not everything's down, but um, it was a good week for me. So I have two packages here that I want to talk about real quick. The first of which is something I wouldn't normally buy. It was a batch of six signed postcards of Basketball Hall of Famers. And some of you might know these as Ron Lewis postcards. There might be some other names for them too. I'm not 100% sure. I've seen these many times before in lots and I've never purchased any. Uh, I'm not big on postcards and, and they've seemed pretty common. I see them all the time. So much so that Upper Deck chopped a lot of them up to make George Mike and Cut autos at one point. And um, if you've seen my YouTube this week, I even showed part of that off. And actually, it was Mike that drew me to this particular listing. I was searching for Mike and Autos, and this lot popped up instead. Um, his signed postcard by itself is probably worth between 60 and 70 bucks, which I don't know. I haven't looked it up since things cooled off a bit. But uh, regardless, I threw a low bid on the lot, and I got it for like $55 shipped. And that averages out to a little more than $9 a card. And the rest of them I'm not super interested in, even though it's guys that I like, like Rick Barry and Earl Monroe. But I have their autographs in other forms. I have plenty of signed cards of those guys. So I figure if I can average, you know, if I can sell these and average $11 a card for the other five before everything's said and done, I'll end up with a free Mike and Auto in the process. At least that's the plan. So we'll see if it actually works out. The second package I want to talk about contained a 2009-2010 Upper Deck Exquisite, Extra Exquisite Jumbo Patch of Nate Archibald, numbered 3 out of 15. And those of you that are following my 50 favorite cards countdown on social media, you might remember that I had a Topps laundry tag of Nate Archibald. And as I was talking about that tag, I mentioned that Upper Deck made these exquisite patches and they never show up. Well, I guess I spoke it into existence because here it is. Um, I said that and then lo and behold, one of them was slated to show up on PWCC. Um, I wish I had that kind of power for other cards, right? Speak it into existence. So I'm going to try it here. 2005, 2006, tops, big game, Pacers, patches. Okay, back to Nate Archibald, though. This particular copy features a nameplate patch with the letter D. And just going off of that, I would have assumed that this was from a game-worn jersey. But I remembered seeing some of these Archibald patches in the past, and some of them were just ridiculous, uh, so much so that there was a blowout thread at one point where someone said, hey, are these patches real? Um, and I've saved a couple of them on my computer. One of the pictures I saved was like half of the Leprechaun logo, which isn't even featured on jerseys. And then another card that I had saved had Nate's first name embroidered with white stitching, which that's not normal for a jersey either. So I knew it had to be some sort of a warm up. 
Well, curiosity got the best of me, and, and I had to do some digging. So I couldn't find the exact warm-up that Upper Deck cut up, but I found the correct style. And the first thing I made sure to do was to cross-reference it with the years that Nate played for the Celtics, which was 1978 to 1983. Now, the Celtics also had old-timers days, kind of like the Yankees do now, so some of those jackets are floating around out there too. Um, And I will say that a lot of people don't realize that that's where some of those Yankees, you know, quote, game-worn relics come from, old-timers games. Uh, Technically, yes, they are still game-worn, but maybe not in the context that people think. So anyway, for Archibald, I started by searching for warm-ups in that range from 78 to 83, and uh, most of them did not match. Very few warm-ups actually have the round leprechaun patch on them. And eventually I found a match from an old Leland's auction for a player named Eric Fernston. And I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with him at all. But he was there from 79 to 82. And I did a little more digging and I found one like it from the same era for a player named Terry Durod via gray flannel. And that auction indicated that this was a practice-worn, kind of like shooting shirt. So then I found one more uh, that was similar, not exactly the same, but it was for Larry Bird. And that listing also claimed that that style of warm-up was only used for practices during the era, which makes sense because I had never seen this style in any game pictures or any game video. So all of that is to say, it looks like the source material for this Nate Archibald um, quote-unquote game-worn jersey card is not likely game-worn, but practice-worn. I don't think Upper Deck was aware of that. I'm not, I don't think they're trying to mislead people. Now, it might be player-worn then, but it had a functional purpose during Archibald's playing career. You know, it's not like they mailed it to him in the 2000s and he just threw it on real quick for a photo op. So even with this new information, even with the fact that it is player-worn, I still think it's a cool piece of history and I'm very happy with the price that I got it for. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Boom, baby! Okay, so joining me today is someone that has made a brief appearance on this show in the form of a collector classified all the way back on episode 161. If you're active on Instagram, you might know him by the handle at drumdrexler22, where, as the name suggests, he shows off his awesome Clyde Drexler collection. We're definitely going to talk about that today. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. How's it going, man? How's it going, Kyle? Appreciate you having me. Things are going well. So it's it's good to have another uh, fellow educator here on the show. It seems like there are many of us out there that are in the hobby. Maybe there's some some connection there that we don't know about. I'm excited to talk to you today, and I'm going to put you on the spot here right at the start. I want to ask you, do you remember our first real interaction with one another in the hobby, or at least w- what I think it is. I'm curious to see what you think it is. I know that we were both active on the uh, blowout card forums uh, when those were popular before Instagram. Um, thinking off the top of my head, one of the, the first memorable interaction I think we had was uh, back in, I want to say maybe like 2019, I was actually looking to pick up a drugstore card. I had the impulse buy, hit the button uh, on eBay for it. And um I wasn't sure about where the patch came from. And I remember uh, from your blowout days, how you had the database and how you would search for, you know, specific uh, plat- patch placements on the jerseys. So I asked for a little help from you on it. And sure enough, within, you know, 30 minutes, we were able to find the uh, warm-up jacket where that card uh, patch piece came from. Okay, good. Yeah, we're on the same page then because that that's what I thought it was. And I, I did some scrolling. I looked back on uh, both Instagram accounts and you sent me a message in August of 2019 that said, hey, are you the blowout member that's tracked down patches on jerseys? So, uh, yes, yep. I, I was that guy. And here we are three years later. We've chatted about life and work and, of course, cards. 
I think I, I've even bought a, a Moses Malone patch off of you at one point. So it, it's hard to imagine that that little piece of cardboard with a little piece of cloth in it could start that friendship off. Um, but like I said, that was back in 2019. And, and I don't really know your story prior to that, even though we've chatted. So, um, and now that I think about it, I guess I've never really asked. So let's just go ahead and, and get that out of the way here today. Why don't you go ahead and run us through your collecting history? Yeah, sure. So uh, to give context, I'm 27 years old. I, it's actually funny. So, you know, as a PC player of Clyde Drexler, um, I technically, you know, I guess I was born when he was playing, but I never actually was old enough to be able to watch him play live. Thinking about it off the top of my head, my collecting journey kind of began, I want to say around maybe seven, eight years old. Um, I'm the youngest of three children in my family. I have an older brother. And I think he originally got into basketball a little bit. I grew up in Pennsylvania and my family used to vacation over uh, near uh, New Jersey. If anyone's ever seen the show Jersey Shore, it's uh, near that area, Seaside Heights. We used to stay at my grandparents' house and my uncle had a PlayStation. And the game that I remember me and my brother used to play when we would go over there was uh, NBA Live 98. And, uh, you know, just being an impressionable eight-year-old, uh, not thinking about the players, I was looking at the team logos from the uh, game and the 90s Rocket logo I thought was the coolest looking one of them with the shark going around the basketball. So uh, that was the team I always used. And when I was playing that game, Clyde Drexler was my favorite player to uh, play with in that game. I think that's kind of like my earliest memory as far as like uh, being exposed to basketball. You know, I have some vague memories of uh, going with my mom, with uh, my other siblings when a Kmart store was closing near us. And my brother asked if uh, we could pick up the last few packs of a 97-98 bonus bets basketball. So me and him split the packs. Yeah, I remember, you know, opening those packs. I got the Clyde Drexler card from that. That was pretty cool. Also pulled the Tim Duncan rookie. My brother and his packs got the Tracy McGrady rookie. And then, you know, that year for Christmas, I remember asking for my first Clyde Drexler jersey card. Uh, and it was a 2004-2005 SP game used. I still have it to this day. From there, you know, I still continue to collect. Uh, whenever we go to New Jersey, we visit the local hobby shop. Uh, whenever, you know, we were in Walmart, I asked for, you know, maybe a couple packs or maybe a little blaster box back when they were reasonably priced. My collecting there was typically, you know, like whatever I pulled out of the packs and then the occasional Drexler card um, that might pop up on eBay or if I asked for something for a birthday or for the holidays. Thinking about, you know, when I started seriously picking up on my uh, Drexler hobby, uh, I want to say that probably started in middle school. In 2007, Beauty Black came out, and I remember having the Beckett that showed the showcase before the product was coming out, and I loved the uh, 50th anniversary manufacturer patch autographs. So I remember thinking, like, what little Christmas money I'm going to get that year. I'm going to uh, try to pick one of those up. And I remember I think I paid, like, $110 for it, shipped from Japan. It was my first, like, big purchase. That was more than probably, like, $20, and I was super hyped about it when it came in. From there, I feel like my story is probably typical for a lot of people in regards to, you know, I went to high school, still did a little bit of collecting, but didn't do as much. Um, to give context, I'm a music teacher. So when I went into high school, I was passionate about two things. It was playing basketball and playing the drums. And when I hit my freshman year, I kind of realized, well, I'm about two feet short of making you know, my dream of being an NBA player real. So I think I might take my music a little more seriously. So uh, the money that you know, I typically would spend on my cards went more toward different instruments, taking lessons, perfecting my craft. I still did, again, I still did a little collecting here and there. Uh, did Drexler also focused on some of you know, the NBA's 50 greatest players, whether it was trying to pick up you know, a jersey piece or if I could pick up you know, a decently priced autograph, I did that. Went to college. My junior year, I slowly got back into it. You know, I, I love music dearly. You know, uh, I still do it to this day, obviously, being a music teacher. Any type of profession, burnout's very real, and you need to pick up other hobbies very quick. So I think I probably went home for a break, went back looking at my cards, and I was like, you know, it was really enjoyable. I remember fond memories of it. I want to maybe try to pick up some of those cards that I dreamed of picking up when I was first getting to the hobby, but reasonably, I couldn't pick them up as a kid. I think one of the big cards that got me back into the hobby was a... Um, 2004 Ultimate Collection signature patches of a uh, Clyde Drexler number 25. I picked it up on Blowout. And that card's very unique because they feature the um, patches from the 1996 NBA All-Star Game, which were like the teal jerseys. Uh, very cool set. I own five of them now. So um, I guess you could say it's one of my favorite cards that's ever been made. Graduate college and with your first big boy job comes your opportunity to have some playing money every now and then once your adult obligations are met. So I've just been doing that here and there. Um, over the last couple of years, I've really been shifting my focus from, you know, having those uh, cards of the NBA's 50 greatest players and move those to help fund what 
I'm concerned mostly, well, actually what is pretty much entirely like a Drexler collection, with the exception of maybe two or three cards. Okay. So that now I see where the drum in drum Drexler comes in is that instrument yes. side of you there. Perfect. And I think it's kind of cool. The, the card that got you back in, I think you said it was a 2004 card, which also is kind of the time frame that you got really got into collecting. Um, yes. It seems like that lines up. So I think there's a, a nostalgic factor to it too. Uh, and I'm kind of the same way. I, I just, you'll see in my top, you know, my top 50 count now and the cards at the end are all from this 2003 to 2006 timeframe, which for me, was a time frame where I really got into things. So you've always liked Drexler, but you, as you mentioned there, you've collected 50 greats, you've collected, you know, different things along the way, but at some point you decided to get more serious about Drexler. And, and case in point, at the end of 2021, you sent me a graphic of your Drexler related goals for 2022. And one thing I noticed about your goals is that it seemed like you altered your approach um, to collecting Drexler in 2022. And, and we've all had to adapt a little bit with the times, but this seems very intentional. So I want to know what changes did you make and how has that process played out for you? Yeah, sure. I think I first need to give credit where credit is due. Coming up with that list, I think I've been doing it for the last year or two. And it's actually inspiration I got off an episode of one of your shows when you brought in, um, I think, around four or five guests. I remember I was driving home for either my winter break or my Thanksgiving break to my folks' house and listening to it. And I sat there and listened to some of these people. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense to be a little bit more focused in what I'm trying to pick up. So focus I've been trying to take, I take a little inspiration for uh, from a couple of people. One of them is um, John, basketball card guy that mm -hmm. you had uh, on that episode. And then also, I know people, um, Adam, the Real 27 guy, and I think, if I remember correctly, maybe 610 Sports Cards also has kind of like this school of thought where they try to have one PC box. And if something's not in the PC box, then, you know, you have to be willing to make it available. So um, for me, with collecting, part of me being able to enjoy collecting is not having to give up a huge amount of real estate to store my collection. So for me, when I got my first, you know, Zion case, my goal was just kind of to start filling up with the unique cards that I missed out on when I was a kid. Thinking about my case now, I have four rows in it. One row is just mostly exquisite cards. One row is dedicated to my one-on-ones. One row is dedicated to um, mostly like Panini patch autos. And then that last row is a little bit of miscellaneous stuff, multiplayer autos from like different products of Upper Deck and Panini. As far as my focus for collecting, I try to follow, you know, that strict rule of, if I see something I really want, I need to go dig into the PC box, see if there's something that I'd be willing to take out and uh, make it available for sale. And then if I can find something where I can say, I for certain want the card I'm trying to pick up more than this card that's in the PC case, then it's a no brainer and try to find a way to make it work and to uh, find the funds for it. So that is incredibly disciplined and probably a lot more healthy than what I'm doing right now. If I did the one box approach, you'd have to be a, a pretty big ass box, um, which I don't I don't think I can pull that one off right now. In fact, yesterday I, I outgrew a box as I was sorting some stuff. So I have to figure out what I'm going to do with that. And, and the answer is probably not getting rid of some stuff as it should be. But now that you're focused just on Drexler, and you have the the one box that you focus on, which I love the idea, by the way, and having stuff in the rows. You don't have to hunt for the NBA greats, although I do occasionally see an Elijah Wan card on your page. I know I recycle this question with every player collector, but the answer is always a little different. Now that you're hunting for just Drexler, what does your daily Drexler routine look like? I'm sure you know as being a teacher uh... – early bedtime, early morning. So as soon as I wake up in the morning, I'll probably be up at, you know, anywhere from 4am to 5am, get ready for my day. My day starts to scroll through Instagram, scrolling through eBay, seeing what listings I potentially missed uh, while I was in bed at night, at, you know, at like eight o'clock. So um, I go and check those, uh, you know, I'll check eBay throughout the day. I will say, um, thinking about, you know, my most recent pickups I've had with the occasional eBay pickup here and there, a lot of my more solid uh, pickups from this year have actually been a lot from the uh, card collecting community. My big pickup that I'll show you um, through a little bit in the episode was from a friend that actually sold a card that came out of my PC case for it was a friend that's collecting um, the one year of flawless patches, just the patches out of 25. And I picked up the Drexler one of one from that set. Um, and I decided, you know, I really don't need the out of 15 and I don't need the out of ten, uh, 25. So I'm willing to move those, you know, moved it to him. And then we kept in touch. And a couple months later, he shot me in, uh, a Facebook message, like at a random time that I just so happened to be up. 
uh, sending me this card. And it's a card that I probably never would have seen. And I probably wouldn't have gotten immediate access to if it hadn't been for the awesome people that are in this community. And, you know, like I, I could think off the top of my head, multiple stories like that, where, you know, I would need more than two hands for just people that are always willing to look out for the fellow collectors and willing to, you know, like uh, as soon as they see something, they'll send you a message say, hey, do you need this card? I had one of those that happened to me literally last week with Alex Connell. He was scrolling through a Facebook group that I'm not as active in. I conveniently have been looking for this one flawless patch auto. Clyde Drexler uh, was actually talking to someone about potentially paying a certain price. And then he sent me a message of the card, had a better patch than the one I was negotiating for. And it was $200 cheaper. So oh, perfect. Yeah. I know a lot of, you know, my recent election pickups, I owe to the awesome people again that are just in this hobby and are always willing to look out for each other. People will send me listings for stuff and, and maybe I don't need it. But even when I say I don't need it, I try to always tell them, please keep sending me listings because I, I don't want you to think just because I didn't need this one that you're not good at choosing, you know, listings to send me or whatever. I don't, don't hesitate to send me stuff because you know, even if it's one out of every 20, if it's a card that I wouldn't have seen, I'm definitely grateful for that. So uh, it's always good to, to be networked like that and have that community out there. And I know we were kind of talking about picking up cards here, and, and that'll be most of today's conversation. But while we're talking about pickups, do you ever pick anything else up for Drexler? Like maybe any oddball stuff? So I have a couple things here, actually. I'm trying to think. My most recent oddball pickup was a random uh, eBay listing hit the buy now as soon as I saw it. It was a 1995 NBA Finals media guide. And I guess the person that owned it went to a signing and uh, got signed by both Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler on the front. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I looked through it and it's interesting to see the pages. And, you know, it's pretty much a time capsule of like that moment in time. When I think about it, you know, and I mentioned to you earlier, I wasn't necessarily, I was technically alive, but I wasn't conscious enough to be able to experience those moments. So it's cool to have you know, that piece that kind of like can take me back to thinking of like what it would have been like to be a potential member of the media sitting in the press room whenever there's these um, questions going on, they're interviewing the players. Some other things, a recent pickup I had um, when I just was a little trigger happy on eBay, wanted a little impulse buy, was this finals guest pass from uh, 1990 from game four. So it came with that and then it had these little, they almost look like name tags where they have like different things. Mm -hmm. This one says Blazers. And then it has all the ones that talk about who would be like the starting point guard, center, shooting guard, but nothing's written on them. So again, just kind of like those little time capsule moments. I also have a ticket stub dated from November 1st, 1996. The thing that's unique about that specific game was that was a game in which uh, Clyde Drexler had 25 points, 10 rebounds. 10 steals and nine assists against the Sacramento Kings. And uh, I talked to you a little bit about this, you know, in doing some research, there are only a handful of players that have reached that milestone of a quadruple double in a game. And Clyde Drexler was very close on three occasions. So there was that game against the Kings. He was one assist away in January 10th, 1986. He was uh, one rebound shy versus the Bucks. And then uh, against your Indiana Pacers in uh, December of 1992, he was two rebounds and assists and two steals away from that uh, milestone of the quadruple double. And then the last thing is um, I have a check dated February 10th, 1991. That's also endorsed by him on the back. And doing some research after picking it up, it's from the NBA um, and addressed to Clyde Drexler. That's the same weekend as the All-Star weekend from that year. So putting two or two together, I think it would be safe to assume that that was the payment that he received for participating in the All-Star Weekend that year. The person that I picked it up from had a few other players from what I remember, like James Worthy, John Stockton. Yeah, so I think just the history behind that is super unique too. I like to pull it out every All-Star Weekend and again, think about that time capsule and that moment of time of like the players receiving hand checks back in the day versus now it's probably all direct deposit. Right, and I know we'll be on audio here so people won't be able to see it, but that check it looked like was slabbed by PSA. It is, yeah. I think their check slabs actually look really nice and they're not as bulky as, you know, you might have, it's not like the riot shields that Beckett makes for some of their big stuff. It's just a, overall a really nice looking piece and um, you can display it with your cards and kind of have it in that same, maybe even in that same Drexler box, it might even fit in there. Okay, guys, allow me to break away from this conversation for just a moment to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com, your home for buying, selling, and flipping all types of trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 28 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, 
You can purchase cards from different sellers over time, ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC Marketplace. For more info, you can check them out on social media under the handle at CheckOutMyCards. All right, well, I've done my fair share of player collecting. So some of the, when we talk about your routine, some of the behaviors you're describing, uh, they hit a little close to me, right? And and I know this has, the word obsessive has a negative connotation, uh, but that's kind of the way that we behave when we collect stuff. One thing that I've found about searching for a player so many times is that you learn a lot of extra information about them in the process. So somewhere along the line of, of searching Drexler stuff and reading about him, you discovered that his son, Adam, played a little bit of professional ball as well. In fact, I think he's still part of the big three league. And you've had a chance to interact a little bit with Adam over the last couple of years. How did all of that come about? Like you mentioned, you know, it came in just kind of some research about him and seeing that he did have children. And I was curious, you know, if any of them had tried to follow in their father's footsteps, similar to how, you know, that you hear a lot of um, pro athletes' children do. You know, sure enough, I found him on social media. And the first time I reached out to him, I mentioned to him that I'm a collector uh, that specifically focuses on um, cards of his dad. Uh, just introduced myself. And it's actually funny because in preparation of, of talking with you today, I went back and checked all these messages. The first message I sent, Neki, I never responded to. So I think you uh, alluded to it a little bit about you having persistence in the hobby. So um, that was back in probably October. And then I went back and did some more digging. I reached out to him again a day after Christmas that same year and just said to him, I hope this message finds you well. And actually, if I'm thinking about this correctly, I want to say this is probably around the same time I had listened to your episode uh, where you brought those guests on that talked about their hobby goals for the next year. So when I was composing my list, I really wanted to get some type of custom card made that would be experience that when I look at the card, I could think of that experience and think fondly of it. So I saw the son had played overseas for a bit. And I thought it'd be really cool if I could maybe get some type of custom card done and get them both to sign it. So I tried reaching out to him again, social media, and I told him, uh, I hope this message finds you well and uh, told him what my plan was. I'd love to get this uh, project done. I was wondering if this would be something that you and your dad would be interested in potentially signing for me if I was able to do it. And he responded back that same day saying, uh, super cool idea. Uh, let me talk to my dad about it. And um, it was very interesting because this, again, probably happened. Um, let me check. Yeah, it happened in 2019. So I heard from him that day. I sent a couple follow-up messages, you know, once a month just to see if he had heard anything. Didn't really hear back. Right at the start of COVID is when I finally heard back from him. And obviously, I have a lot of empathy for the people that went through the hardships during COVID. But for me, you know, I was very fortunate that I didn't have any family members I lost during that time. Relatively speaking, my family stayed relatively healthy. So I kind of look at COVID and look back at the start of it as a very fond memory, funny enough, because if it hadn't been for everyone being forced to kind of have that moment in time where just life needed to like stand still and everyone needed to take a break from their lives, this project probably wouldn't have even happened because I think about he was playing overseas at the time he was coming back. I do believe that, you know, that opportunity where they were staying in place, put them together in the same room and also gave him a time to kind of slow down so that he had time to maybe check his messages that maybe he wouldn't have been able to see just because life gets busy. So uh, all in all, that project took from October as an idea all the way up until I want to say the end of July for it to finally come to fruition. So a few months work uh, at the time, it felt like a very, very long process because when you're excited for something happening, uh, you want it to happen immediately. But it was a very awesome opportunity. I still keep in touch with him every couple months. Uh, kept in touch with him a little bit when he got drafted by the big three this past summer. And um, yeah, just amazing things that can happen in the hobby with building relationships with collectors, but then also being able to build friendships with people that you might not have otherwise even known. So you did, you ended up getting both signatures on there. Did you I get did, them both yes. at once or did you have to uh, split it up? I got very fortunate. So um, like I said, I think with the shelter in place that happened during the start of the pandemic, um, they were both, I think in Houston at the same time. So I was able to just mail out one package and um, yeah, I think they both got it signed around the same time. I, my guess is I think it was around maybe uh, Clyde Drexler's birthday because I think they were doing family festivities for that occasion. And then, yeah, I got the card shipped back. No problem. And it was awesome, really awesome experience. Well, we'll have to make sure and get that uh, picture up on social media if it's not there already. Now, well, getting custom cards signed through the mail is a lot of fun, and it sounds like it was a great project. I'd say getting them signed in person is also pretty enjoyable. And over the last week or two, you've been posting some Drexler cards that you got signed at a recent signing. 
including a really nice one-of-one triple relic. And I feel like this is something that's become accepted more so in the last handful of years, because it used to be that no one ever got premium cards or one-of-ones or anything nice like that signed in person because supposedly ruined them. And uh, I'll admit, I'm still a little hesitant to get relics signed myself. I have to say, though, yours look awesome, which is not always the case. Sometimes they don't turn out so well. So talk me through the decision to take the risk and go ahead and get those premium cards signed. I think imitation is the most serious form of flattery. I'm a firm believer in that. And this is actually um, an idea I kind of stole from a Shaq logo man on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Shaq collector that uh, I've seen him post a lot of very unique Shaq cards that had after the fact autographs on them. So when I picked up the card that uh, we're talking about, which is the one of one from uh, Artifacts from, I believe, 2007, you know, I looked at the card and it just has that spot where I thought to myself, it makes sense to get it signed. Now, obviously, from a reselling perspective, if you're planning to get stuff signed for uh, thought of reselling, I wouldn't encourage anyone to get a one of one card signed. But uh, for me, I knew that this card is not going to be leaving my PC ever. And it's more about the experience uh, for me than it was for like whether or not the card was going to turn out absolutely perfect or not. And it's really interesting because that was the first card he signed at the signing. And um, he was very cognizant to when he was signing the card to try to not cover up uh, the printing of his name on it, even though like... What I envisioned in my head was, I'm fine if he covers that up. The more space, the better. But I think it's really interesting because I'm talking to other people that have gone to signings for him and this being my first experience. They were talking about how, you know, he always tries to get the autograph perfect and have the perfect placement and really take his time to make sure that the autographs turn out well. And um, yeah, you know, it just, like I said, it made sense for me because I know this is a card that will never leave my collection. And it was all about the experience for me rather than uh, will this increase or decrease the value of the card I picked up. It's funny that you mentioned that Shaq Logo Man being the card that inspired you because when I wrote that question, I thought about that Logo Man card. I remembered that thread on Blowout. Uh, It wasn't received all that well. Uh, It it didn't go over well with people. People were a little put off by that, but um, that collector enjoyed that and that's exactly what he wanted. And and that's kind of what this is about. So we'll talk a little bit more about your experience at that signing here. You and I have chatted about it a little bit but you mentioned to me that you paid ahead of time. And then when you showed up with your stuff, there was a bit of a pricing issue. So tell me a little bit more about that. I think it makes more sense to back this story up maybe probably eight months prior because I had been picking up Drexler cards uh, to eventually send in for a signing. And he was doing the autograph show in Texas uh, in the winter of last year. And I originally thought about sending some stuff in through the mail and, um, you know, on their website, they had different pricing. I believe it was $85 just for the typical cards, but then there was a premium charge for his rookie cards, anything that was dated 1986 or prior. At the time I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to pay all this money to send stuff in, I'd rather wait a little bit and potentially, you know, be in a better financial position where if I wanted to actually get stuff signed, I want to actually be able to meet him in person and be able to take a plane trip, take a day off work to go to Houston, because I know he does that signing pretty regularly. I'm glad I did that because um, I think it was probably in the end of July, I was wrapping up my um, semester of grad classes and I saw, you know, the signing artist or um, guests were coming up for the Chantilly show. And I saw that Hakeem Olajuwon is going to be there. And typically whenever Hakeem's at a signing, either Ralph Sampton or Clyde, Clyde Drexler will also make an appearance there. There's kind of a package deal. So I kept waiting and waiting to see if they would post him. And finally he hit the Chantilly website and I couldn't have gone to the website any quicker. So I pulled aside, uh, I believe it was 12 cards. And then uh, I also took care of three cards for a friend of mine who's also a Drexler collector. And the Chantilly website was just charging a flat fee for everything. Um, $85, no matter what the item was, whether it was a jersey card, whether it was a rookie card, or just any card after 1986. So I, I just assumed, uh, looking at that, that maybe they figured Chantilly being a heavier football area, you know, they get a lot of football signers and um, a lot of signers for baseball that maybe, you know, they're trying to encourage more people to get the basketball people to uh, have people sign in there since they're bringing them in and paying for their time. So I paid for all my autographs. And from what I remember, I sent in, I was bringing in five or six cards that were 86 or older. So <laughs> I went to the signing. I was one of the first people, for those of you that, you know, aren't sure how the signings work, the Chantilly show was pretty well run. 
you get the ticket and then it tells you what number you are as far as, I guess, the order you purchase your tickets or you receive your tickets. And they call in small batches. First 10 tickets can go up and get their card signed. Then they move on to the next 10. So when I got up there, I, w- I wasn't fully prepared in regards to my cards uh, being out of the one touches. So I was at the side of the table, get everything prepped. And the person who went right after me had an 86 clear rookie card to be signed. And the person that was overseeing the Drexler signing was saying to him, oh, you need a different ticket for that. And uh, sent them back to go pay the premium for the rookie card. And I'm thinking to myself, uh-oh, because uh, actually I have you know, a substantial amount of cards that I'm trying to get signed to, uh, that day that are older than 86. So I p- p- uh, put my cards in the stacks and uh, just kept quiet to see how it was going to uh, go down. And when he got to the 86 Fleer, the, you know, the gentleman stopped me and said, you need to get a different ticket for that. And I mentioned to him uh, how I purchased the tickets on the website and there wasn't any type of upcharge for rookie cards. And he said, oh, well, the website was wrong. You're going to have to go pay for a different one. So I just kept quiet to see how the rest of the signing would go first before I decided if I wanted to make a big stink about it. But luckily, uh, Clyde was signing everything else. So I only ended up uh, being upcharged for the 86 Fleer. But, you know, I brought an 84 Star. I I brought... um, to his two uh, police cards that are technically his true rookies. And um, I think I maybe brought a couple other stars that aren't necessarily considered like true star rookie, but they're older than the 86 threshold. You dodged a bullet there, it sounds like. Now, a couple weeks ago, I had Vinny on, who collects Patrick Ewing, and we had the true rookie card conversation. So it's a fun discussion to me because each collector kind of has their own perspective on things. Um, I guess we know that this handler, thinks that maybe that true rookie, well, even though they mentioned prior to 86, he couldn't recognize the other stuff is what it sounds like. Meanwhile, you've got a stack of other cards there. Like you said, his Portland police card is star rookie. Um, So seeing as you brought those, it seems like they have some significance to you. Where do you stand on the true rookie card debate? So it's funny because um, the 86 Fleer was the first quote unquote rookie card of Quadrix that I picked up at the local hobby shop in New Jersey that I had uh, mentioned earlier. I think for me, if we're talking about the earliest card, then obviously, yeah, we're going to talk about that first year uh, police card that was, you know, the trade in with the local police station. I think as far as an IPL card, I do, I am a sucker for the uh, star, the original star uh, rookie card. I keep going back and forth with it because obviously the 86 clear holds a special place in my heart, just being the first quote unquote rookie card I had picked up and the experience of picking that up at the hobby shop with my uncle back in the day. But then also having, you know, the, the cards that are earlier than that, uh, my feeling about it is we have all these different parallels and, you know, all these different products coming out of all these players from the same year. And when we look at National Treasures and Flawless and Immaculate coming out, when the NBA season is starting for the prior year or the next year, and we consider those still true rookies, why can't we consider all four of those equally as the rookie card? I like that. See, I haven't heard anyone say that take on here before. That's why I like this question. Now, several of those rookies that you had signed included the famous Clyde the Glide inscription, which is what you requested. Uh, Can we talk about Drexler inscription autos here for just a moment? Because I've seen him inscribe stuff uh, correctly for Upper Deck and Panini in the past, so I know he can do it. But I showed you that 2009 moniker set that I've been kind of working on, not all of them, but anyone that has a nickname, I grab it, because that's the idea. The word moniker is right. They're supposed to sign their nickname there. Um, He did not add his nickname to those like he was supposed to. So I'm not picking up the Drexler. So I sent you, I was griping about that. You sent me one that was even better. Possibly my favorite inscription goof of all time. Do you remember what that was? I'm sure you do. Yeah, sure. I can't remember the year of the card, but I know it was a National Treasures um, inscription set. And it seemed like Panini at the time was trying to be a little bit more innovative rather than just having the nicknames. And, you know, players from that set put their Twitter handles. They had put different things um, on them. And I know for some players, they had written go and then insert the team that they played for. My assumption is, is when they send the box, they send the photo in front in black and white and tell the player what to inscribe on it. So <laughs> Clyde Drexler took, what I'm assuming is, you know, took the literal meaning of what it said on the card where it just, you know, <laughs> said sign your name and at the bottom, go team. So he inscribed all those cards with uh, literally go team on them instead of go rockets. And, and I love even team, he, he put just team in quotation marks, not the full. So it says yeah. go team, but it's go quotation mark team. Like, come on, man, you got to figure that one out. We're going to give him a hard time here, but I, I, I know it probably is a lot to take in when they send you that box full of stuff and they want different things signed with different pens and different inscriptions. But uh, 
you know, can't help but laugh about that a little bit. Your inscriptions though came out okay, or at least all the ones you showed me, unless there was one you were holding back. And you got enough stuff signed and inscribed that there was probably time to have a little conversation in the process. Is that something you attempted? Is Clyde chatty at signings or how did that go? I must admit, I was feeling a little under the weather when I went to the signing. Um, so I, I wasn't in the most chatty mood. And I was also, you know, a little nervous, obviously, because this is my first time meeting the player that I've been collecting since I was you know, eight years old. So it was a very surreal experience. While I'm thinking about the signing, I need to give a couple of shout outs to you. Obviously, you, basketball card guy, signed and slabbed, uh, Brandon Hardcore Heroes, the P. Ryan Collection. I apologize if I'm missing out on others, but you guys were the primary people that I reached out to when I was originally testing out markers for the signings. You know, I know, you know, the big buzz has been paint pens for a lot of people. So I went out and bought a variety of paint pens, tested them out on different cards and um, asked uh, plenty of people for just kind of, you know, feedback on what works and what didn't work. And I think all the cards getting signed as you know, clearly as it did was a reflection, again, those awesome people in the hobby that were, are willing to take their time out and you give their feedback of what they think. But um, when I was first getting the cards out for the first round of the signings of, you know, the, the 14 cards of the 15, wasn't there wasn't much conversation going on there. Again, I think it was just probably a little bit of nerves and again, feeling a little under the weather that day. But then um, when I went back and repurchased the correct ticket for the rookie signing or for the 86 Fleer, uh, I went in and I made sure to be the last person in line so I could maybe have a little bit of moment because... You know, I, I completely get it. They're running a business at that time. The group that, you know, um, signed him as their exclusive signing athlete for these signings. And they try to make things quick because they want to be respectful of their time, the athlete's time, and then obviously the next athlete athlete that's going to be sitting in that spot. But um, when he was signing the um, 86 clear, I had mentioned to him actually about the custom card that I got done. And I said to him, you know, I don't know if you remember, um, start of the pandemic, uh, your son Adam came to you with a few custom cards to sign. And he, he remembered it very clearly. It was very cool. And I told him, you know, I introduced myself. I said, I was the person that got those signed. And he said uh, his son was super proud of them. And he said he gave me a copy. I have it in my office still to this day. And uh, I joked with him a little bit asking, because he's uh, also the commissioner of the Big Three League right now. So I asked him when we were going to get Adam Drexler uh, alien jerseys, because I want to be the first person to get one. So he, he was very cool. And uh, during the first round of signings, it's funny, because we were talking about the true rookies. And when he was signing the um, the two police cards that I got signed, he had looked at the uh, earlier one and he said, you know, this is actually my true rookie. So <laughs> it's, it's funny to see, you know, players that are knowledgeable about their own cards and think about maybe, you know, maybe he has a collection of his own stuff from when he was playing and try to make sure he had one of everything. There you have it, guys. Clyde Drexler has solved the true rookie card debate that we've been having here for a while. I love it. Okay, so as we start to wind things down here, I want to give you a chance to talk about a few of your personal favorites, because we spent all this time talking about your amazing Drexler collection and your time with Clyde Drexler recently, um, but I want you to tell me about your three favorite cards and a little bit about how you acquired them, and I think you might have some honorable mention as well. That's fine. I'm not going to prevent you from doing that, uh, so let's go ahead and see what you got here. Yeah, sounds good. So yeah, I do have two honorable mentions. Uh it wouldn't be fitting to uh, have a top five or top three list without mentioning the card that I mentioned about earlier, the uh, 04, 05 Ultimate Signature Patches. I'm showing you one right now, but I believe I have five from this set at this point. And, you know, like I said, it's just that nostalgia card for me that I remember looking at it on eBay. So if anyone has any of those or knows uh, of the whereabouts of the rest of them, uh, I'm trying to hoard the entire set. How many are there? 25. 25. Okay. You, you've got a pretty good jump on it. Yeah, so I uh, got them for a variety of places. The one I just showed you was, uh, I believe, a Probstein auction a couple years ago. I got one from a blowout deal, and then a couple, I think, from various you know Instagram users that made me aware of them at uh, some place in time, or just, I'm sure, as you and many other collectors that listen, you have a Rolodex of cards, you know, where they are, and uh, we'll check in every couple of months to make sure they're available or not. <laughs> so I put that probably number five. Um, this is a tough one because this one could either go number one for me or number four for me. No in between, but I decided to give them the honorable mention where they are um, my 2012-2013 noble nameplates. I have both of the letter E's. And actually, I don't know if you remember this, but Kyle, you were actually the one that pointed me in the direction of one of them when it first hit eBay a couple years ago. Okay. So I, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the first letter E I picked up, it was probably my first big adult purchase when I got my first shop teaching. And then two years to the date with maybe a month of separations when I picked up the second one, I know where 
how many letters? I believe there's seven letters in the last name. One, two, yep. So I have two letter E's. I know where the R, X, L, and R are. They're all with the same collector. So the only one that has yet to surface is the first letter in the name. So if anyone ever sees the first letter, uh, obviously I'd love a shot at it. I'm sorry. don't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, you go s- for it. But, but I got I to gotta ask because you know where the others are at. So I'm assuming they're not going anywhere. Uh, I'm assuming not either. So I don't know of the person, but it's kind of like um, a friend of a friend. Okay. Where, you know, the person who actually has them was actually gifted them uh, by the person that I've chatted to. And uh, he actually also has a good majority of the Hakeem Olajuwon letters. So I have the letter J and the letter J isn't going anywhere because I assume one day he'll want to add that to his collection. And I hope that maybe we can get a deal done where, you know, we can complete both the last names in one way or the other. All right. So your number. So those are your honorable mentions. How about your number three? So for my number three is the card that we mentioned about earlier. It's a. Uh, 2018-2019 National Treasures, the Retro Materials, one of one patch. And from what I remember from our conversation um, a few years ago was that this patch came from an emblem on the warm-up jacket the year after the Trailblazers, I guess, won the Western Conference and went to the NBA Finals. So a patch shows uh, the W, the E, and the S in West. I think we even matched it up to, uh, with the stitching and everything, I think we found the exact warm-up that Panini bought uh, via, I don't remember which auction house, but via one of the major auctions, maybe Gray Flannel? Yeah, I want to say that too. And it's funny too, because, and we've talked about this on and off over the last couple of years, very little pieces of that warm-up jacket have popped up in cards. Like off the top of my head, I can, the one of one from that, there was a patch autograph set, maybe from that same year in National Treasures, where I believe they used those because the red like looks very similar. And then um, there's a booklet card of Grant Hill, Shaq, Kobe, and Clyde Drexler that I think the patches were uh, utilized from that warm-up jacket as well. But as far as that specific emblem, that's the only one I've actually seen where they use the emblem. Well, get ready for it. This If uh, this Fanatics thing ends up coming to fruition, then Panini's going to be liquidating a lot of that stuff. You might get some nice jumbo patches out of it. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, for the longest time, the uh, Clyde Drexler market, as far as the patch autographs, have been drying up. So I want to say for the last maybe two or three years, if you were seeing a, you know, a substantial patch autograph, it was from the previous years of Flawless and Immaculate. It wasn't anything current. That has changed since, I want to say, not this most recent release of one one that came out this week, but last year's they started putting, you know, some smaller rocket patches in. And now you're starting to see with like National Treasures this past year and one uh, one this year. Uh, you're starting to see, you know, I guess they bought one of the uh, Rockets jerseys. So I'm really excited to see how the patch autographs from that set come out this year because I, I have a feeling you and I talked about that they might have also picked up a, a jersey or a jacket that had the uh, 50th greatest um, mm-hmm. logo on it. So they've shown up on like, I've seen maybe two cards with those, but they haven't been available. All right. Well, maybe those will come your way here. That might be a 2023 goal uh, with the cooperation of Panini. I know you can't control that entirely. All right, number yeah. two. What's your number two? Yeah, so number two is uh, the card I mentioned a little bit earlier. A friend from Australia sent me this, you know, in the uh, summer. So when I made my most recent list, I was looking for something with a Rockets patch logo. This card is from Impeccable of this year, 2021-22. It's the one-of-one autograph that has the uh, team tag that is that Rockets logo that originally got me into uh, wanting to collect Clyde Drexler in the first place. So it's an awesome card, beautiful card. Uh, was really happy that the person shared it with me and that the person who had pulled it was willing to work with me because it took me a little bit of time to come up with the funds for it. So we'll make sure these get on social media, by the way. I know you've already posted some of them, but we'll make sure and kind of repost them. Uh, the thing I like about that copy is that they actually they framed that tag. Um, so it's it's not like it's in there crooked or you know sideways or anything like that, but they actually took the time to frame it and they did it right. Looks great with that foil. Yeah, for sure. I have uh, another one that's from uh, a year of national treasures, but you know, like you mentioned with some of these, sometimes the window isn't too big and it cuts something off. So this one has more of a more full logo than the one that I originally owned. Perfect. All right. Number one, let's hear it. Number one for me probably has to be, you know, like as any collector, especially if you're collecting a player, you always want to be able to own a logo man. So it's a, what year is it? I believe it's 2011 um, national treasures, colossal logo man auto uh, numbered four. Like I said, I go back and forth between wanting to make this, you know, my number one card, because as a kid, I always wanted to own one, 
or the nameplates because, you know, the nameplates are actually more rare in full from what I've done in my research, not counting the president's choice cards. If we're talking just NBA license, the only year that Clyde Drexler has been like in a full nameplate set was that 2012 year. So technically there's only seven full NBA license letters, but you know, just that year in national treasures alone, there were only, or there were four uh, logo men and that's not counting the other years in sets. That one took a while for me finally acquired for the PC. So I think it's fitting to put that as number one, as you know, that chase card that I was always looking for. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll be curious to see if you ever get that first letter or maybe some of those other letters. I, I bet that moves up your list a little bit because uh, some of these jackets and pants uh, and shorts, they all have the logo man patches on them, uh, which I guess would be why that one was numbered to four. They probably pulled it from a number of things, but those nameplates are, are like you said, pretty rare. And I doubt they're going to be releasing any more full nameplates of guys like that in the near future. They seem to have backed off of that. Uh, but who knows? This it's kind of an exciting time as we in the as we near the end of Panini, uh, just in the sense that uh, I know they're sitting on a lot of stuff and, it, and it, there's the potential for a lot of cool stuff to come out. Who knows if it will? Uh, but I'm definitely watching for that. All right, David, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on the show. We're gonna have to do this again sometime. Before I let you go, feel free to plug your social handles, anything you might be working on, or anything specific that you're looking for. These next few moments are yours. Yeah, sure. I appreciate you having me on. I would definitely uh, be down to do it again sometime in the near future. You just let me know the time and place, and I'll be there, Kyle. As you mentioned at the start of the episode, you can find me on Instagram at um, drumdrexler, D-R-U-M-D-R-E-X-L-E-R 22. Um, As far as, you know, things I'm looking for for my PC... Uh, I mentioned earlier in my uh, top three that I did pick up that tag, but uh, one card that I'm specifically looking for is the 2014-15 Eminence Patch Auto. Um, there, I believe, are two particular cards from that set where all the patches came from a warm-up jacket, and two of them have that you know shark face rocket uh, logo. So I'd love to be able to you know find one of those. Other than that, you know my current projects I'm working on, I'm trying to complete uh, every year of flawless uh, patch autographs. So I'm missing both of the cards from 2017-18. The vertical one was signed. It's a dual patch signed in black ink. And then the horizontal one is just a one-color patch um, signed in blue ink. And then I'm also missing the 2012 horizontal. Uh, You know, like I said, just very appreciative to all the people in the hobby that are looking out for each other. And last but not least, Taco Bell, we need to get this man sponsored. (laughs) Send some stuff his way. Someday, right? Even if it's just some burritos or a gift card or something, uh, I promise you, I will do your brand well, and I will give it the respect it deserves. Listen, all the stuff you're doing for the hobby, they brought back the nacho fries. They should be sending you nacho fries at this point. Nacho <laughs> fries and bring back the beefy Frito burrito. That's all I ask. All right. Thanks again, David. Thanks, Kyle. Take care. All right. Well, there you have it. Clyde Drexler's one of those guys that I saw at the tail end of his career, so I don't think I've always given him the credit he deserves. I'm glad David was able to come on the show to help rectify that, and it was nice to learn more about David and his collection in the process. Maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at WaxMuseumPodcast. I'm also on Twitter under at WaxMuseumPC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that, and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.